Hey guys, just before you listen to this podcast, if you are in the wine, beer and spirits business and are wondering what you can do in the cannabis space, I would highly recommend you to check out Cannabis Drinks Expo. So Beverage Trade Network does a trade show called Cannabis Drinks Expo in San Francisco every year in July. And this is where the wine, beer and spirits professionals can learn on how they can leverage into the space. Especially if you're a winer in California, you should really check out CannabisDrinksExpo.com. So let's dive into the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. Today I chat with Josh Lizard, CEO and co-founder of the Rebel Coast Winery, makers of the world's first cannabis infused wine. Today we're going to talk about the business of cannabis drinks. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Super. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and Rebel Coast Winery, please. Sure. So a brief history on Rebel Coast, you know, started off as a traditional winery, what we consider a virtual winery. So, you know, started in 2012, essentially buy bulk wine uh, on the market, blend it, bottle it, brand it, sell it. So uh, built that out for a number of years to a nation, national, we expanded nationally through about 36 states. Um, and then in 2017, we had an idea of making a cannabis infused wine. So uh, you know, my background is from cannabis and finance. My old partner, he was the wine guy, so we linked up and said, "Hey, let's try to make this thing." Um, did about a, did about a year of R and D on it. You know, there's a lot of issues actually combining cannabis and and uh, wine. First being, you can't you cannot mix alcohol and cannabis in California. It's illegal, so we had to find a way to extract the alcohol, make the wine taste good. And then infuse it with THC, and THC is not uh, water-soluble. It's a resin. It's like an oil. So we had to figure that process out as well. So about a, after about a year, we actually came to a product that was tastes good. Our cannabis was uh, fully uh, homogenous and uh, mixed well in it, and finally released it in uh, late 2018. Nice. Yeah. And how many, uh, how many cases or like what sort of volume are we moving right now? Uh, so this, so in 2019, we produced about 2,400 cases of wine. Okay. Yeah. And the wine business is still on, right? Like you're still selling uh, wine, like without cannabis. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the so our Reckless Love and Sunday Funny is still on the market. We actually uh, we sold the labels to one of our uh, original investors in the uh, in the actual alcohol side of the company because. We decide, hey, let's focus just on cannabis while they pump up the alcohol side. So they're a big wine conglomerate in the U.S. Um, so they actually have the capacity. They have like a 50-person sales team throughout the nation. So they have the capacity and ability to actually build up the alcohol side of it while we can purely focus on the cannabis side. Understood, understood. So one thing I must say that I love your branding. I mean, you know, the way you guys tell your story, uh, it's so natural and raw. So it's amazing. So let's jump uh, into the business of cannabis. Uh, you know, what's what's your take on cannabis drinks market, uh, Josh? How is it going? So you know, the, the beverage market in California for cannabis is still very small compared to the you know the entire market of cannabis in California. It's like but maybe two percent right now of the gross sales for for drinks. So it's very small. Um, we see it. We see it growing. You know, I think it's going to grow exponentially. And so sales, you know, we're not, we're not selling as much as the flower company is. Right. Um, but I mean, and that's, there's a few reasons for that. You know, cannabis beverages, I would say are relatively new in California. Sure. We've had some beverages that have been out for a long time, but you know, they, 
they're not of the best quality. They were usually like really high milligram dose, like, oh, this 12 ounce soda has 100 milligrams in it, which is kind of wild. So I think we're transitioning to uh, more quality products that are lower dose. Um, so a lot of education, a lot of education goes into what we do here at Rebel Coast. Uh, most people, do, most people don't even know why a cannabis beverage is different than say a cookie or an edible, you know, how does it interact differently? Um, especially why no one knows what the hell cannabis wine is because we were the first ones to do it and we had to educate everybody on it. Um, so, so education is key. You know, we have to explain, you know, this is a beverage. It's going to, the THC is going to act differently than it does in an edible. It's going to have different onset. You know, our. So, you can know, you do like a store tastings at, I mean, dispensaries? Yeah. Or what are the outlets? I mean. Yeah. So, we, so we can't do an infused tasting. What we do, so at a, at a traditional, you know, cannabis dispensary, you can't, you can't actually serve a, a cannabis infused product. But what we do, we actually, we actually make a non infused version of our wine. So, it's the same wine that we use, but we don't add the cannabis to it. So we have a we have like an eight person brand ambassador team that goes throughout California, sets up uh, events at dispensaries, and actually pours a non infused sample for the consumers and educates them on the product um, itself, so they can actually try it before they buy it with us. Got it. What about the channels? Like where all you can sell? Just dispensaries, or what about the direct to consumer? So just dispensaries. Uh, we do have a we only can sell licensed dispensaries. We do have a direct to consumer play. We've teamed up with. Uh, with Eve, uh, Eve is one of our uh, delivery partners, and also Gonja Runner. So you can go right onto our website, you know, click buy now, and it links up right to their site. So uh, you can get you can get delivered delivered to your house statewide in California. Um, it's direct. It's not directly from us, though. It is a we team up with a licensed uh, delivery services. So we have but a, legally, uh, can you guys also deliver? Like, if someone wants in California a, a case of wine, uh, cannabis wine, can can you also we, deliver legally? We cannot. No, we are not licensed. Then. So we are licensed manufacturer um, right now. Um, so we don't have we don't have our delivery license. No, it's a, it's a whole nother process for us, completing the separate license. And we do not have that right now. That's why we teamed up with these licensed delivery services so they can fulfill that that direct to consumer play. And it's not like an alcohol where three tier system is there. Where I mean, in, in in this, it's just matter of license, and you can get a license, right? If you want, yeah, nothing stopping. Nope, it's just a licensing. Yeah, it's just just licensing. Um, so nothing's stopping us from doing it besides that. Uh, I'd say that's not our that's not our expertise. You know, we're a manufacturer, we're a brand. You know, we can make the product, brand the market. You know, but you know, the logistics for actually going direct to consumer, it's definitely difficult. Not not our not our forte really. So we leave that to uh, the experts. True. Got it. Got it. So I see. Uh, I mean, uh, your original background uh, is a lot in funding and finance. Uh, can you walk us through, you know, uh, just some tips on, you know, people who are trying to uh, raise some money or sort of at least give us an estimate on some tech, uh, some things that really, you know, goes into uh, the, the the round of fundings. I mean, you know, how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, first of all, raising money is not like an easy thing. Um, I mean, we ra- we raised money for the cannabis side of Rebel Coast, you know, when it was just a concept. Um, and a few a few key things: if you're gonna go out in there and raise money, yeah, you're right. I, I'm from the finance side, so uh, you know, finance and financial projections and pro formas are my thing. So, and actually, the writing of the correct business plan. So, when you go out to raise money, you need to have a a uh, a very good business plan in place, and also an in depth like three statement uh, financial model. And what I, what I mean by that is you can't just throw out, I go, here's going to be my sales numbers for the next two years. You need to have a financial model that includes your income statement, a balance sheet, statement of cash flows, you know, so they can, for the, at least, at least for two or three years out. 
And I, I prefer a three-year statement. So they have to be reasonable. If you're going to go out there and say, oh, here's my, here's my new product, and I'm going to make $5 million my first 12 months, it's like, come on, any investor, any wise investor is going to see right through that, guys. Let's be reasonable. They, these investors are smart guys. They, they, they expect it to not be some huge success right off the bat, you know? But and so if you're going to exaggerate your numbers, it's just like, you need to be realistic for sure. You know, I, I'm under the mindset, hey, I'm going to, I'd rather, you know, under promise than over promise. You know, hey, these, these revenue numbers are going to be smaller than not like, I'm doing 12 million right now, guys. It's just not, you need to be reasonable and rational when you do this. Um, so first step, good business plan, good product, and an, a great in-depth three-statement three financial model um, when you're raising money. And you really need, you need to have the, the right team, team as well. You know, it's like we can't, we're not experts at everything. You know, I have my own expertise, but, you know, I surround people uh, on my team that are smarter than me. I mean, they fill a gap of my, in my expertise, you know. So you need to have the right team behind you. And don't, don't be afraid to hire somebody who's smarter than you. you. You want them on your team. You know, I, I see so many guys that get intimidated in middle management. They get intimidated by their somebody who's smarter than them it's like dude that's that's exactly who i want to surround myself with who i want on my team absolutely yep yep yeah right on uh absolutely so what what were the challenges uh, you guys faced uh, you know in in the business i mean like what what surprised you uh a demand was a huge thing so it was a lot so uh you know we, we definitely thought so demand- you mean you think that demand is huge and it wasn't there we thought it was gonna be bigger than it was you know, we, uh, you know, I, we were very, very uh, modest on our projections, of, you know, our, our market penetration, the sell through dispensaries, very, very modest. And if you just look at the math, it was very logical and reasonable. But, you know, once that we actually got in and it's like, oh, guys, this is actually, we actually overshot this by a lot. So, you know, it's, so it was demand. Then there was also logistical issues um, for dispensaries. So most dispensaries, they're small, right? They're not, they're not used to a big, bulky beverage. They're used to, you know, you mean like the shelf space? They just don't have uh, enough SKUs. Yeah, they don't have the space for it. You know, so I mean, you, a dispensary can be a thousand square feet, and that could, you know they're used to joints and eights and uh, you know vape cartridges, which is which is great for that that amount of space. But you know, a case of my wine is like forty pounds, and it's like a twelve inch cube. It's huge compared to what they're used to. So logistics uh, in the inventory space in the on the retail side, and also logistics and spacing on distribution. Because, you know, as a manufacturer, you know, we manufacture the product. It has to be delivered to a, uh, a, dis- a licensed distributor. And they're also really not set up for beverages yet. So, you know, I, I, I'll go make like, you know, 20 pallets of wine. A pallet's 2,200 pounds and it's a five-foot cube. And, you know, these distributors have a little sprinter van where it can't, it can fit maybe a pallet, you know. So they have to do, you know, 30 runs to pull up the whole batch sometimes. So it's. The, the, the industry just was not set up for beverages yet. It's definitely evolving and getting better now. Um, you know, we see, we see bigger trucks coming out. We see dispensaries that are actually becoming more, have a bigger layout. They have more space. Um, so they see it's coming. So there was a, quite a few issues, issues, a lot of on the, on the logistics and, on, and space size. You know, that's, we just, which people just weren't ready for it, you know. So but it's, it's evolving. It's definitely getting better nowadays. Sure. And I think one of the things that I've, uh, you know, I've uh, learned is one of the core problems is the number of dispensaries and the bottleneck issues 
at the permits and you know a lot of licenses are pending and things of that nature because ultimately it's all going through the dispensaries right so end of the day i mean you know there are only like 200 or so that you can sell to yeah so yeah, the licensing was definitely a hold up for sure um i know we had our own issues as well i mean we are licensed now thankfully um but yeah you're right there's just not that many outlets i think there's around like 400 that are licensed in california um uh, whether they're operating or not is a different question you know you may have a license but you may not be operating yet um so yeah so luckily we've we've actually have pretty good market penetration we're in about 180 190 shops right now um yeah so we've de- definitely had some good penetration um and it, and it grows every month you know we are, probably we probably grow are you seeing sell-throughs like are you seeing uh retailers dispensaries moving the product or yeah. or you'd really have to support so, uh, the tastings and so oh, on. I, I, I mean sale through is definitely ramping up but you're absolutely right we have to support them um so you know sell through definitely increases by you know all of our, our brand support we, go, we bring our brand ambassadors in there do the tasting events uh, we educate their their bud tenders and their staff that that the, the dispensaries really need that from a brand you know in the beginning like I'd say a year ago or so, we just kind of peppered the market and got into a bunch of dispensaries right away. And that, honestly, that kind of bit us in the ass. We didn't give the brand support we needed to give the brand, the, the retailers. So we, we cut back, expanded our team, uh, actually started focusing on these little events and then promoting and increasing sell through with the dispensaries by you know our brand promotions and actually being there for them and doing everything they need us to do. Um, so that's, that's absolutely crucial. You know, We have to support these dispensaries have to educate the consumers for them, have to educate their bud tenders, do trainings. It's, it's definitely crucial to actually improve that sell-through because, you know, I, you know, just selling, the, having a bunch of market penetration where they might buy, you know, they buy a case of wine every two months, that's, that's not what we want to do. You know, we need to increase sell-through, make this a, uh, a common product for the consumers. So we have to increase sell-through and that's definitely through uh, brand support to the retailers. So what what do you like? What do you do to support them? You know, what are the things that you've seen working and ROI positive for you? So ROI positive, I mean, ROI positive. That's how investors like to see the ROI on that. <laughs> I guess it's, it, it still looks like everything is an investment. <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure. No, I'm sure. Like you know, if I was in the wine business, I used to say like you know, buy ten cases. I'll come Friday and Saturday and do the tasting. It's still ROI positive. Yeah. But is there? Is it all investment right now? Uh, I mean, it's pretty much all investment. I mean, there's not a lot. There's honestly, there's not a lot of return on all these uh, on, on the market initiatives and brand support initiatives. Yes, I mean, it's it's a long term thing. You know, we're not going to see a positive ROI in 30 days. You know, but in six months, we were building that rapport with the with the consumer, building the rapport with the dispensary. We'll then see a positive ROI. It's just it's sort of a long term thing. Got it. So you, you you're focusing on being a likable supplier and then sort of. Uh you know, uh, trying to build a horse uh, in your portfolio and then sort of obviously increasing your portfolio eventually. Totally, yeah. It's just like, you know, we, we try to build a brand equity, build, a, you know, brand loyalty with our consumers. So a lot of that comes through dispensary support. You know, we do... So, for example, when we launch a... We bring on a new account. You know, we do... What we, it's called a, a customer appreciation day where we have a brand ambassador in there doing the tasting. We usually offer some sort of promotion where it's like, you know, it's 15% off Rebel Coast, you know? Um, we do giveaways. We know we have Rebel Coast shirts and swag and corkscrews. So dispensaries really love that. You know, everybody loves freebies, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do a lot of freebies, giveaways, uh, promotions for the retailers uh, to actually save the consumer. We like to save the consumer some money so they actually, you know, try this product first. They get to taste it. They get a discount. And they actually start liking the product, liking the brand, liking who we are. 
that improved sell through and getting getting uh, consistent customers and repeat customers is the key piece, key thing. So we just really try to build this so, brand loyalty. Uh, I understand. So Josh, I think what I can envision is one of the objections that I think a dispensary is maybe saying is, you know, hey, no one's asking for cannabis wine. So how do you overcome that objection? Yeah, uh, yeah. Most people don't know what cannabis wine is. You know, it's this is a we we created a product category. So we need to we come in there and educate. You know, it's like of course people don't say, hey, I I want this because they don't even know it's out there. You know. So it's so we had to we just kind of flip it on them. Well, I mean, did you know about it? You know, hey, people, this this is this is in demand. We can show, hey, we're in this many dispensaries. This is how many new dispensaries we've been onboarded onto in the last thirty days. People, there is a demand for this. They just don't know it's out there yet. So, Got it. so you you walk with proof as well, proof of sales data in other dispensaries and things of that nature. I, I wouldn't say exactly sales data. I mean, getting data from dispensaries is definitely hard for uh, just for compliance and uh compliance they don't want to give out like sensitive information but i mean it's it's easy to prove like hey these are the dispensaries we're in i mean uh in most the most dispensaries do know who we are um uh, we kind of built we built a built a name for ourselves so far um so, so yeah i mean we can definitely show them the number of dispensaries we're currently in and our increase our new accounts for the last like 30 days and that's usually enough you know that usually gets us in the door and it, it starts off slow you know they're going to order two cases they're going to order a case of our rosé in a case of our in our in our salt blanc, you're right at the bat. So then we can pay. Say, guys, take a small order. Let us prove to you this is this is needed in your dispensary, and it can sell. So we go in there, give them a small give them a small order, and then you do our customer appreciation days, do some promos, and actually show them, hey, this is our this is our sell through. It's actually working, and then we pump them up on our social media. Um, so we just you know we actually prove to them that hey, this will sell, and your consumers want this product. Got it, got it. And I think, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you cannot do floor displays in dispensaries, right? It's not like a liquor store. It all is behind the counter. Is that true? Or no. How does, how does the merchandise? So that all depends on these. It's usually like a state, a city by city or county by county rule on that one. I mean, some, some dispensaries, so say, take Harborside, for example. I'm not sure if you've been up there in Oakland. Um, so, but, you know, you can walk around with like a, literally like a hand basket, like a shopping basket and walk around and just grab things and put them in your basket and go up to the front to buy it. Yeah. So every, every city, it's, it's kind of a city or county rule. Um, so we, we, do, we do have displays. You know, we do, for example, we, we, we have a branded like wine fridges we deliver to our dispensary partners. And it sits on, it sits on a nice Rebel Coast wine barrel. So we have like a, a wine barrel with a wine fridge on top. So that's our branding. And people can actually go in there and grab it if, it's legal, if that's allowable in that city. All depends on the city. So yeah, we, you know, branding and merchandising and retail merchandising, that's huge. You know, we definitely have to, it's having shelf space. So, you know, it's, it's what's one easy way to people to know who you are and know you have our product. Like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we're actually displayed so people can see it. We don't necessarily have to be there on site or something that doesn't have to recommend it. It's just like, oh, what is, what is this? There's a wine here. So it's just, it's great. You know, we, we do that a lot. Nice, nice. And who, who do you compete with normally? Like, do, is there any... Uh, I mean, are you really competing with any sort of cannabis beverages, like even water or like uh, any other infused? Like I've not seen, to be honest. I mean, we do the straight show, right? You know, like Cannabis Drinks Expo. But to be honest, when I walk into the dispensaries, I hardly see cannabis uh, beverages still. Like, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm just trying to understand uh, uh, what's the landscape of this uh, category. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, 
I mean, on a grand scale, there's really not that many brands, you know. So at, at the Drinks Expo, you know, we were there. Um, there was a, there was a bunch of brands there, but a lot of them weren't on the market. Yeah, yet. there were like eighty. I mean, yeah, we have like eighty exhibitors even this time. Yeah, you know, I probably tried forty different products when I was there, but most of those were not on the market yet, and still are, still are not on the market. Got it. Yeah, Got and if, it. if they so are, they, they, you think all, and all those kind of guys are going to be the com- competitors in one way? Like soon, it will be like a wine store where they'll say, you know, I only can put four. CBD drinks uh, is are is it all going to be in like one sort of uh, category called cannabis drinks category as far as the dispensary guy is seeing or it's going to be or are there a level where they actually see okay cannabis wine I have one cannabis water I have one how mature is this category it's, it's not mature at all not mature at all right now it's right now we're all just, we're all just lumped in you know I guess we're we're kind of different you know we're we're a wine it's kind of different it's a multi it's one one big thing is it's it's multi-serving, right? It's, we, you know, it's four, it's four glasses in a bottle. So it's, it's different, but still as a, as a whole, I'd say we're, we're all just lumped into cannabis drinks, cannabis beverages. Um, but that, you know, that, that may evolve, you know, over the next 12, 24 months, they may be like, Oh yeah, this is cannabis wine. These are cannabis water, these are cannabis sodas. They may be differentiated, you know, and they, dispensaries may say, Oh, I'm only going to carry, you know, two, three of each or something, but we, we won't really know yet until it evolves more. True. I think, I think, it, I mean, what I'm seeing is it's really more distribution and outlets. Like the more dispensaries we have, I think, you know, this, this whole category is just going to uh, grow. I mean, it's so, just less dispensaries, to be honest, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, not, there's just not that many, you know. I mean, a few years back, just in the medical market, there were thousands. And now we have, you know, under 500 that are licensed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's your plan on new new uh, states? Let's say Illinois is opening opened up now, I guess. So, uh, how do you approach new states uh, distribution? Like, do you have to set up a contract bot, uh, partner there, or how, what's your strategy on new uh, distribution? Yeah, so we are definitely expanding our brand in 2020. Um, so, there's a couple ways you go about it. It's like, okay, yeah, you can get your own cannabis license, which is expensive, very capital intensive, or you do like a licensing deal, which is what we're looking at. Essentially, we have. We have been vetting partners in multiple states that actually have the space and the capacity to, you know, to make our products. And it's, it's just a, it's essentially a licensing deal. You know, they follow our ingredients. They use our SOPs. Um, it's our brand. So it's the same. They're just manufacturing it in that state um, to be completely compliant. You know, we can't cross state lines or we can sell, you know, we can ship out our non-alcoholic wine or any other product to them. It just can't be infused. So they do all the infusing and bottling on site in that state. So does it make sense for especially you guys to bottle with a wine bottler uh, who can apply for cannabis license or like because wine is and bottling plants are completely different than, you know, like a normal co-packer? Yeah. So, uh, well, well, so most like wine like or alcohol beverage companies that, you know, they're there. A lot of them are not applying for cannabis licenses, especially if they're publicly traded. Um, so most of these are just cannabis, you know, cannabis uh, manufacturers, cannabis uh, distributors, and co-packers. It's them, and then they'll have to they'll have to acquire the right uh, production and bottling and canning lines for our products. Understood. Understood. Yeah. What's your, What's your uh, feel on Chicago? I want to be in Chicago. I Illinois is going to be a great state for cannabis. Yeah, yeah, and, and and there are some rumors happening with New York, New Jersey. Uh, any any uh, legal. Updates uh, you guys get uh, where you can, you know, what sort of movement, like I'm, I can only see like this opening up to more states, right? I think. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so we, we're, we do have a pretty aggressive uh, expansion plan. We are looking at New York once 
I think they're trying to change their laws in 2020, 2021. Um, but Illinois is very, is very appealing to us. Michigan is also a very good market. Uh, Massachusetts is doing extremely well. So there's a, there's a few key States, you know, we're going to, it is, it's still expensive for us to do this and expand statewide, expand nationwide. So we are just looking at a few key large States that the, that the product will actually resonate with the consumer. Um, you know, we're not, we're probably not going to go to Arkansas, you know, but we're looking at the bigger, bigger States, bigger metropolitan areas. Um, where this is actually all of our all of our current products and future products will work well in that with those demographics. Got it, got it. So Josh, let's go a little tactical, right? So you you told me uh, that this is what you do to the dispensaries. Like, how do you train your salespeople? You know, uh, what do you tell them to tell dispensaries uh, to get that meeting to get that product pitched? Luckily, it's pretty easy for us to pitch because it's like, hey, we're cannabis, we're Rebel Coast, we have cannabis wine. There's, there's usually not a lot of pushback to actually get the meeting, right? Um, but yeah, so we have a full like training manual, um, for our, for our uh, staff, you know, for our, you know, our brand ambassadors and our sales team, it goes into, it's, you know, it's a brief history of Rebel Coast. Um, why are we making this product? How are we making this product? Why is it different? Um, and then, you know, we have, there's definitely some tips on like pushback, you know, every, every rep is going to have some sort of pushback, um, from the sensor, from the buyer. What is a pushback? Like a kickback? Like an incentive? No, like a no, like a put, like pushback. Like why should I care? Oh, like why an objection. Like, objection? Uh, exactly. Yeah. It. Like why would I? Why would I care this product? You know, it's too big. My 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 demographic doesn't want it. So we just we help them overcome those issues. You know, you just have uh, answers back. Um, I I still personally do ride-alongs with our staff. So I'll go to the dispensaries with our staff, with our sales reps, um, and actually you know help them along the way. If they get some pushback, they can see how I interact with the cons- with the buyer. Um, just a f- what are the pushbacks? Like, can we dive into that? Yeah, just uh, a couple. Just I mean, to give a so size, tactical... too big, right? It's too big. It's glass, fragile. Uh, my demographic's not going to like that. Or, hey, I don't, I don't like it, so my consumers aren't going to like it. So, I mean, it's, I mean, the list goes on and on on what, uh, what the objections are. Um, and, and a lot of them are easy to overcome. You know, it's just like it's the reason. You know, with these buyers and managers, it's like. Okay. Yeah. So you don't know if your demographic is going to like it until you try it. Right. You just got to give it a try. So, and just because you don't like it as a buyer, doesn't mean your consumers aren't going to like it. So it's just, it's it's easy to turn things around. Legally, legally, can you pick up the cases back or once it's sold, uh, it's done. Like, can you tell them that, Hey, if it doesn't sell in 60 days, I'll pick it up and give you the credit back. Yeah, there is a there is a return process um, through 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 the dispensary to the distributor. There is, and that is possible. It's never happened to us before, um, but yes, it's it's definitely possible. Okay, like, hey, this isn't selling. Can I just get a return or? To, it's yeah, it's a return or a credit. I'm not, I need, don't know the exact terminology. We don't do the distribution ourselves. Uh, we're a manufacturer, but yes, they can they can return it. From my understanding. Got it. And got it. And how big of uh, like how many salespeople do you have? On the floor statewide, we have is there there's six right now going at, going at it. Yeah, six right now. Right. So they, they basically have their own routes. Like they knock the doors, they knock dispensaries, right? You don't have a distributor where you just you know give them uh, like you are the distributor basically. Right? Uh, no, not so we do we do team up with a distributor and utilize their sales team, but they're part of the we're the same portfolio of companies. So you know we took some investment on from a big private equity firm and this sort of this company. So we're like, we all consider ourselves one family. So we, we all work together. They, they actually distribute the product and I, 
they're not they're not directly employed by by Rebel Coast, but you know they're a Rebel Coast sales rep. You know I still talk to them every day. So very hand in hand. We're not just saying like, okay, uh, here's our product, and you guys figure it out. Like we are a very hands on brand. Um, and they they're not directly employed by us, but they they it, you would have no idea that they're not since we were so seamless and integrated. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Cool, Josh. Uh, great. Uh, just one last question. Like, uh, can you please give some tips for? you know, the young, uh, like cannabis drinks entrepreneurs on, you know, how do they go about distribution and sales and marketing overall, just some lessons that you've learned? Uh, yeah, I mean, on the distribution side, definitely you need to vet, your, if you're going to go the distribution distributor route, you need to vet them extensively. Uh, that was one of our hiccups, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, we had some uh, distributor issues where we teamed up with somebody we thought was great and they actually turned out to be a complete, completely BS. Uh, and we found out about two months later, it had to end up getting all our products back. So you need really need to vet your distributor, uh, make sure they have specific guidelines and milestones that they have to meet. Um, don't just, don't just think that, Oh yeah, they're going to take all your products and sell your products for you. They're not going to do all the work. Um, you need to be hand in hand. You need to be on top of them and working directly with them to make sure that your brand is going to succeed. Uh, and for the marketing and marketing and branding, I mean, you need to find out what your, who your demographic is. Uh, we are, I think it's safe to say we are one of the most unique and kind of brash brands in cannabis, um, and, and in general. So we, we just know our demographic. Um, so as a brand, you need to know who your demographic is, make sure you're marketing to the correct way. Um, and just because you yourself or your marketer likes something doesn't mean the whole consumer is. Uh, consumer base is going to so have the right team look at look at all marketing from all angles put on different hats um different demographic hats different gender hats everything just to make sure you're touching all the base that is and your marketing and branding is actually going to resonate with the consumer base that you're actually targeting got it fantastic josh uh Super. I think uh, one of the things personally I really love about your companies, as I said, you know, the marketing. I mean, it's just so raw and authentic. That's that's the message it's sending. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just, we live by the brand. I mean, this isn't you know our brand is not made in a, in a corporate boardroom. This is us. Like we are Rebel Coast. We live this way. A lot of yeah. Lot of stuff, I mean, you guys drive that personality, which which I can I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you a lot of the stuff on Instagram, you know, that's you know that's our main like platform for actually our marketing. We. That's just us. That's just kind of how we live. You know, the most of it's not staged. I mean, it's just like we're out having fun. I mean, that's true. Yeah, we live by the brand. <laughs>